the 10. Pick it back. Here comes the rush. They've got him sack number one. Hassan Reddick, five and a half on the season. Wow. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants it. A comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. What's up and welcome back in everybody to episode two of Canton Bound. The C2C boys, they let us back. They let us back. They let me back specifically, so I must not have been too bad uh, first episode. Hope everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but uh, got some got some news. This won't be solo Mike. This won't be solo McNutted. Travis Kelsey has entered the chat, even though the real Travis Kelsey is not entering the chat to uh, tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night. Uh, Travis Kelsey, my Travis Kelsey, Mahomes to Kelsey. Let's go, Adam. What is up? Oh, my knee. I got a, I got a hyperextension, I think, McNutted. But uh, you know, week one, I had to sit. Right, I had the Travis Kelsey thing going on. But don't worry, the ACL's intact. Week two, I'm back. We're fine. We're right. The rapport is good. Stay patient. And uh, hey, Mike, solo show, new show, great job. I'm excited for this one. Everyone on campus to Canton, um, first time hearing my voice on this platform. Couldn't be more excited to be a part of this group, man. It's funny how. Like we talk about, you know, the expo and how we got to the point we did. And, you know, first two years ago when we went to the expo, you know, we got to finally meet, you know, the names and the people that we knew, Matt Browning, Felix, all the guys at campus again. And it was one of those where you you could just feel the relationship was right. But at that time, it's like, okay, these guys are somebody and we're kind of, I don't even know what we are. We're just trying to fake do a podcast. And I remember they were, you know, wanted to have us on a podcast at the Sunday expo. We, you know, fashionably showed up late, a little bit too fashionably. We missed that chance. But then we look all the way down here now and our both both of our platforms growing. We get into a spot where we're going to, you know, come to a place where we're going to do business together, not just in one lens and all different types of things. We're going to come on their platform. We're going to have them come on ours. There's a collab of what we're doing as far as the, pr- the products we're providing. And, and to me, that's the exciting part about this relationship and growth and this podcast in particular, right? It's a culmination of relationships and people that I think are doing innovative stuff in different lenses that can come together and create an awesome, awesome product. And ultimately, Camps to Kenton, you can find me at ATM40Chess on Twitter you're unaware of, you know, which you probably are unaware of who I am. So, but what I'm excited about is this, the opportunity to talk about a dynasty lens on this show, to talk about it through the campus, to Canton lens, hear their stuff and getting to the point where the culmination of these relationships can build something really special. And it's kind of funny. You listen to that intro Mike put together and it's little moments that you capture in time, put it into something like that. I think that's what uh, I'm looking forward to with this, uh, with this collab, man, personally, as far as being able to do stuff on their on their side. So appreciate the opportunity, everyone came to Canton, and appreciate everyone listening, giving us the opportunity to bring a show to you. Mike, Kelsey, introductions out of the way. Let's bring in the stuff they came to see, you know, oh, yeah. the highlight place. Well, first off, let me get this out, too. If you have not signed up for Campus to Canton's website yet, if you have not signed up for all the amazing tools, all the amazing ranks, everything that I use myself, everything that I need 
to dominate not only my C2C leagues, but I want to know about them rookies coming in, how they do in college. I want all the data sets, and I want all these fancy tools. Perfect. Now's the time. Promo code SOUTHHARMON, S-O-U-T-H-H-A-R-M-O-N. 10% off. 10% off, Adam. Perfect time to get in. And now, let's snap the ball. I got one last question. To give that type of well-eloquently said lettering all back-to-back, that's water in that cup, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Water I love it, cup. man. That's that's pretty good. All those letters in a row like that. Well done. I like that. <laughs> I love it. I didn't do too bad. I can actually spell. I'm not that yeah. dumb. <laughs> you, know, spell, you don't even need spell check. Adam, tonight's episode, today's episode, when people are listening to it, it's going to be, what is your dynasty process? And let me say this. I think the way you and I dynasty, we have a process. And I think in today's dynasty world, you need a process. You need a process. It is imperative. People are getting smarter. There's more and more tools. There's more and more podcasts. There's more and more people in the space who are pushing the limits and finding edges here and there. And even the average dynasty player is just getting more well-informed. The information is out there and people are consuming it at a rapid rate. You need a process. The days are long gone of just picking players just because you like them or you have a gut feeling. What is your overhaul process? Now, we'll yeah. still bake some of that in. Sure. I, uh, I like this guy more than this guy. What's your reasoning? Well, I got these couple points, but they're kind of fringe, right? They're, they're, they're kind of flapping in the wind. But overall, what is your dynasty process? What do you believe? Adam, let me ask you, if you had to summarize it, and we'll start with just overall basics of dynasty process. Lineup, best ball, we'll try to touch on both of them. Would you say, if you have a team, a dynasty team, what is your direction? Like, what is your process direction for that team? And what are some factors that go in how you decide you want to approach moves in the future, how you're going to roster construct? So what I'm pretty much teeing up on, are you one of these guys who likes to play in the middle where you just want to play variants? Or are you one of these guys kind of like me, my dynasty process, where either I'm in or I'm out, meaning I'm going to be try to be really, really good and take down the whole thing. Or if I know that's probably not a realistic scenario, I go, "Woo, we're selling it all, man. <laughs> we're selling it all. We're going for draft capital and youth. That's all I want on this team. We're, we're playing for 24. We're playing for 25. Tell you what, man, uh, well done. I said be careful what you wish for. I said let's show them the highlights. Mike's throwing a bomb early. This is a loaded question <laughs> with a lot of different going talking points. Go get it. High point it. Now, okay, what is the process? I, I think I appreciate the teeing up with the question, but there's a lot of things that have to be discussed here, and I'll try to get them in a concise manner and touch on the points that are important. What is my process? Without getting to the details, which will come later, just in a, in a vacuum, I think what you kind of touched on is in your leagues, in what you're playing in, on a large scale, not a home league in a specific land, like something like that. In a large scale with the community you're playing against, Campus to Canton guys, if you're playing in Campus to Canton leagues, like odds are you didn't just come, hey, Campus to Canton out of the redraft process, right? A lot of the Campus to Canton type players got there because they want to go deeper. They want to get to the next level of it. <clears throat> but if you play in dynasty leagues and it's in a community value, community sense where you found 
a lot of these people throughout similar processes to you. They have dynasty processes as well. I think the point you're making is the process overall is a sharper, bigger part of every person's game, right? So it used to be <clears throat> a few years back, if you just have a process that actually is actionable and makes sense, you can probably get people that don't have a process and clean up on values. The days of what your point is, where you can just rake people over the coals to get to this crazy dynasty value team that's contending and youth and all that, not impossible, but on a large scale, going to be a lot harder to do. And now to the process point, I think one of the things for my process in answering this question, it's ever evolving. My process last year, and my process this year are very different. There's a combination of two things. One, learning on the fly, where did I screw up really bad? Straight up. One of the best teachers in life is experience. Anything you've ever done in your life, you started by failing, walking, crawling. Any, I don't care. Start at the very beginning, and this is a basic one, right? We're trying to get the basic information out there and get high, high from there as far as the, the processes. You failed to learn. And then eventually you get to the point where now this is a craft for you and this is a process that's evolving. I think that's the biggest thing. Your process should be evolving. Right now for me, one of the things I learned is where I was definitely wrong and there's been tools and data that speak to, yeah, you were chasing something stupid, right? So learning from experience and process driven, but also Mike, the point you made there was so interesting. People are also having a much more process oriented play which causes me to lean into just as much as important, arguably more important when everyone starts playing a process and there's data that says this is the optimal way to play. My edge now is psychology. My edge now is reading my league. My edge now is where can I pivot if everyone's playing in a similar lens? And I know that's probably the best actionable way to play based on what data has in front of you. Like, where am I going to get an edge learning? Are, these guys are predictable. They're not. What are, what are their tendencies? Is there a scenario where they'll go away from this process in an emotional trade because of an injury? Is there picking up those additional things? I think is one of the big things for my process personally, um, to answer the question you have contending, rebuilding, playing in the middle <clears throat> that specifically is a little more league dependent for me. For example, if it's a lineup league, not crazy deep starters. All, consider a lineup league for the most part and it's super flex, <clears throat> which is where our main topics of discussion for lineup will probably come from. In this format, I have learned through the correct data and seeing it and doing it right and wrong. If I can anchor two top 12 quarterbacks and year in and year out, I have a chance to have a team that just by that alone makes me different than most teams in the league and have a chance to compete. I don't think one of the things I learned, I used to say is I'll, I'll tank this. Sure. For value, I'll tank it here. I don't really need to go to the full rebuild side. I'm, I'm happy to play in the middle if I need to, with the idea of I want to contend, I think overall in a big lens, I want to contend more often than not, but in best ball, that's where you'll see me go nuclear rebuild. You'll see plenty as you know, teams of mine that are terribly built as far as purposefully though they're bad there's a lot of draft picks there's not a lot of point scores and i'm 
intentionally trying to make my team a contender later on, but now tanking. So I'll embrace all different levels of it there. Typically want to not be in the middle in best ball, but in lineup, I'm happy to live in that middling lane given I have the right staples of my team. I would say this, uh, probably the biggest key difference for me is in lineup, especially in, in you talked about processes evolving. I will say in lineup leagues, you know, start nine, start 10, start 11, start 12, you know, these kind of lineup leagues, I'm generally more okay kind of being in that middle. I know it's kind of a gross spot, but as long as I'm not boxed into the middle, meaning like I'm locked into the middle and I don't have any draft capital in the future, right? Like that's the worst spot to be, right? Because there's no real out for you either direction, right? Probably not likely that you're winning a championship, but also not very likely you can get yourself out of that mess for a while, which stinks. And that's the worst spot to be in. But I will say this. I'm more comfortable playing in the middle. I may not have a super team. Adam, you've seen some of these these goon squads, as we call them. I may not have one of these guys. But in a lineup league, if I'm like fourth, fifth, you know, I'm like this team. this team probably making the playoffs, but there's a possibility I may not. I still have my draft capital lineup. I'm more comfortable playing in that spot because the variance is so great, right? There are things that pop up all the time. Travis Kelsey not playing week one. Anybody have that on their bingo card? No. <laughs> like Travis Kelsey getting a hyperextended knee, not even in a game. Two days right? prior. <laughs> right? Like basically walkthrough practice. You know, I, I was going to say I'm not a, sure it was a, a walkthrough, uh, but, it, you know, they probably weren't going very heavy. You know, walkthrough plus. Yeah, walkthrough plus. I don't think a lot of people had that on their bingo card. So there's things like that. And that's what I mean with variance. And we see it a lot in lineup leagues and lineup has a lot of variance because you have to capture and we'll talk about it, you know, on a later episode when we get more into warp. But uh, basically with a warp, like in a lineup league, you're responsible for capturing that advantage or disadvantage. That's on you, on who you decide to start on a weekly basis. So naturally there's a lot of variance that it, that's in play. Best ball leagues. I'm not as comfortable in the middle, Adam. You can spot those really good teams, those teams that are going to be contenders because they have copious amounts of depth and they have enough star power. Those teams are really good. If you're kind of that fourth or fifth guy, there's not as much variance in a best ball league as there is a lineup league, right? Because you aren't responsible for capturing the warp. You aren't responsible for capturing that big game. Best ball takes care of it. I would say the only caveat you could make for best ball leagues is some of those shallower benches, right? You know, think of it if it's a, you know, you only get 20 or 25 roster spots. There's some variance that comes in because, again, now it's on you to capture the warp. And by capturing the warp, you're going out to the waiver wire and picking up the right guys on a weekly basis, picking up those kind of spot start guys who are available. So I will say generally that's how I operate. That's my overall process in Dynasty. If I'm in a lineup league, as long as I don't box myself in by trading away all my draft capital, I'm a little bit more comfortable playing in the middle. I don't have to go all in, and I don't have to be all out. In a best ball, though, Adam, I'm still I'm either in or I'm out. I'm either I'm either pushing in and pushing my chips in and trying to win a championship because I think I can overcome the variance with good roster construction, or I go. This probably isn't happening for me in this league. Like the factors aren't really there. I'm not going to settle for being the, uh, you know, the the last guy in the playoffs who's going to get knocked out in the first round because I really don't have a good chance against any other team. So, if that's the case, then I go. Let me just 
punt this. Let me get rid of anything that's really got a whole lot of value and let me try to get into youth. Let me try to get in specifically with draft capital because we'll also probably do a show on that on this network about what assets you really want to get into when you're rebuilding and what ones you'd like to avoid. But I want to get into the the draft capital specifically. Like I really want to hold on to that that kind of thing because that's a, a less risky asset than let's say a, you know specific specific player. On mute, my friend. Look, there, we got to get this going, uh, right? There's, there's. <laughs> I was gonna say there's market value though, and there's understanding your league. I think one of the things I talk about there with my process is understanding my league mates, the psychology aspect. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna speak to some things that are evolving in the process for me there. And my, for I like it or not, and this is one of the things I think people have to think about in a basic form. Whether you like it or not, there's going to be things in your dynasty league that you cannot control. One of the things I, it's starting to drive me crazy, Mike, to be frank, is the complaining and the expectations of things, whether it's getting a deal done, you're talking with managers, like, why can't we get a deal done? And, and you know, hitting people up in the chat that you haven't been responsive. Everybody pays their dues. Everybody plays different. And everybody's process right or wrong, even if we think they all have one, is going to potentially be different in lenses. If we all played the exact same robotically, you pl- you pretend this was the case. It's not, by the way. I don't think it ever will be, no matter what the no. data says. But if we played in that market, just think for a second, if everybody did the exact same thing and valued all the things the exact same, what in the world would you do? It would, it would be the league of have nothing. Like, you just drafted correctly, and you got lucky, and then you happen to win a couple deals which are marginally different, and you got the right player, probably. Right? You got the player and that just happened to be currently valued at this, and they went more to the moon. Stuff like that. There's no edge there. I think the reason that I talk about this psychology and the process there, for me, one of the things I've experienced in the last year and a half, Mike, I used to be able to go, you were in a lot of these leagues. You were in all these leagues I'm in. Somehow, you know, Mike just sends me a new league. Hey, we're going to do another league. Here, <laughs> here's a link. 50 bucks uh, per year. I need 100 now. Maybe it's 150, whatever it is, right? I can't tell you how many startups Mike and I have been in. A lot. He's seen, Mike, in 2021, when we started doing most of our leagues together, you saw in a startup draft going ham. I mean, talking about if I want to go get picks, I'll get half of the first first round picks and futures, right? I might just sell a lot of startups before they're even actionable players. Maybe there's a scenario where I get enough of that in the draft and then I clean up after that. I see what people's directions are. For me personally, the freeness of being able to just kind of talk to all these different people and figure out their process and get deals done on a large scale is something that was an edge of mine and something I played on and prayed on. That right now for me, I'm finding harder and harder to be a thing that I get done. So I don't have to like that. That's kind of, I'm, I'm giving an actionable point for me personally. And I want you to think about this point and then think about it, how it works for you and in your specific league. So Mike, just, just think about this. Now, when I go to make deals, I'm not going to act like, you know, oh my gosh, who is this? Everybody in the world knows who he is. But a lot of the leagues I play in, they know who I am. They know 
something about me and there's a hesitation on what's his angle. Like, do I want to make this trade? And a lot of times, Mike, the volume of my trades across leagues is not nearly as high. Even if I have a deal where I think this makes sense and mar market value says you can get a deal like this done. For me, I know if, I if I'm going to try to do this process, it's not actually going to happen in my leagues. And to go insane that market says this, but I know it's not going to happen in my leagues, I have to change my approach. Because if I don't, I'm going to get eight and, eight and alive, right? Like if you say, hey, my, my approach in this best ball league is I'm going to try to get a bunch of two-for-one trades and three-for-one trades, and then all of a sudden my team is going to have so much value as far as player depth, you won't be able to do anything with me. Right. But if I know I can't make 10 to 15 trades, period, I'm going to make maybe three to five throughout the season that actually get done. And I have to do these in a timely fashion where there's something clear and obvious that the other manager wants and we get a deal done to have that process where I'm going to do this tear down approach and trade on large scale, knowing that that's not realistic. I don't even care what the process says. If that's the right play, it's not the correct play for me in my market. I think one of the things that makes it very difficult to admit for anyone is there are things you can and cannot control and in dynasty if you can learn what you can control and if you have a process but you can adapt to the things you can't control and learn what those are frankly adapting is one of the biggest things that gives you an edge what about this league is different where is my edge in this league where can i pick up small amounts of value here and there and understanding those things and then now evolving your process to that tailor fitting your process to leagues is it's so next level because the processes are going to get more and more similar as we go along i think yeah yeah i think that's a general whole though like everybody's kind of tightened up their process as a whole and they're getting better i think that's probably the overall sentiment but to your point adam your process really needs to be based in and you need to be an amoeba you need to be able to adapt to whatever you're going to do. You need to be able to take on the shape of whatever league you're playing in. So here's a good example. And you're, you're talking about the the frustrations that you have and just kind of how things have changed in the last couple of years. One thing that I keep, keep getting back to, one thing that I keep telling myself and having to remind myself is a majority of the leagues I play in are with people that follow content that we do you know, their patron leagues or their other, you know, other creators who have an understanding of exactly what I've been talking about for a year. And they're trying to implement some of the same strategies. And now my process, my approach, like you said, trying to find those minor edges, those minor gaps, you know, whether it's the new thing, uh, you know, this is more high level stuff talking about a warp and tight ends and lineup leagues, whether that's the new process that I'm trying to implement, whether that's the one where I'm going with crustier tight ends because they don't really matter outside of a handful. I keep trying to adapt every single year and adjust something and adjust what I'm doing to try to find that edge over somebody. But then I go to a random league and I'll find one just, uh, you know, on sleeper chat or somebody hits me up like, hey, we need one more you know, thought of you, you play in a bunch of leagues, why don't you come in? And I go into that league, and I get the base layout of the land, and I see what it's like, you know, what the scoring settings are, and I run it through our warp tool, and I do all that stuff, all my due diligence on the league. And I kind of formulate a plan in my mind. But whether it's an auction, or whether it's a snake draft startup, 
Adam, I'm telling you, the, the most beautiful thing is, is if you understand process and you start to implement it, you know, maybe in this league and you implement it in another league and you start to get comfortable with it, I find myself going into some of these random leagues and going like these old processes that I had, these old tear down, these old, it's a best ball, you know, here's the three for one, right? Let me get, let me give you one really good player. Let me get three good players back. And in a best ball, that process still works. And you go, wow, like all these other leagues that I play in, it doesn't work. Nobody lets me get away with this or nobody lets me, like you were mentioned, 2021, where you can damn near, you know, walk out of a, a snake draft with everybody's first round pick, right? You're holding 10 first in 2024 going, wow, like my team is, is, is awful, but come 2024, like who holds all the draft capital? Me, I got it. Those kind of things are still possible in, in random leagues. And I try to put myself in that mindset too, that the only people that are going to know what your league is like is the people who are in it. And that's why the first episode was knowing your league, you know, knowing the knowledge, the knowledge of your league is so, so important. But the overall theme of it is have a process, have some processes that you have tried or you have implemented or you understand and adapt it to whatever your league presents. You know, if nobody's going to let you do the trade back, okay, well, maybe I try the uh, the strategy of being the guy who's going to trade up. Maybe I try to be that one to go get two elite super flex quarterbacks, and maybe I backfill with uh, old aging veterans who are producing while everybody else is ch- chasing youth. Like, maybe that's the process change that I do. Or if it's, like we mentioned in best ball leagues, Maybe I try to see if people will let me do that whole tear down strategy where I take one really good asset and turn it into three pretty good assets because I know depth is king in best ball. All these little things that you can apply, but you still got to have a game plan. Like you still need to go in with an idea of what you're doing because I see so many teams sometimes, Adam, they don't have a process, right? I'll get in a random league and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing with their process. But you'll have like a really high rookie selection that they make in the second round. And you go, okay, well, they're, they're staying young. They're going with a youth build. And maybe they follow that up in round three. And then in round four, it's, you know, Derrick Henry. In round five, it's, you know, they're taking DeAndre Hopkins. And then they're taking Keenan Allen. And you're going, all right, well, you, uh, you took rookie quarterbacks who don't historically produce very well in their rookie years, but you also paired them with a bunch of old aging assets. I don't really understand what the thought process is behind this, right? You, you got this hodgepodge mix and match. Do you know what you're doing? And, and those are the kind of ones where I go to, and those are the ones that I might explore trades with and think that maybe I could get an edge over them. Not that it's, you know, uh, you know, thinking mine's better than theirs, but I'm like, I don't really know if they know exactly what they want to do. Maybe they're open to anything. Maybe they're just, they're, they're staying fluid and they're just taking what they think is the value. But how could I exploit that to better my team and to better, you know, use my process that I have to, to take advantage of that? So that's the little tiny edges that I'm looking for all the time. Of course. And that's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm speaking to is, is your process, right? Whatever your process is, I think it's that, that in and of itself should be evolving. So that is adjusting to changes in the way the game is being played in fantasy, like the NFL, how it's changing the running back position, the wide receiver position, understanding the values of the market. Like all of those things will tie into what your actual process is 
in a f- certain format. That should evolve. But then I think when you get to a certain degree of improvement there, you sh- I'm not saying you should never stop improving or trying to get better, or find the edges to improve your process. You should. But in some leagues, you're going to get to the point where this efficiency that we're chasing on process, what you're going to gain there versus what everyone else is also doing the same thing. Maybe in that scenario, because you understand the process and you understand what you're trying to do and your goals, you can understand now I have a totality approach. I have a process, but I can't actionably put it into practice in this league. To your point, if the process is correct and you go into a league where no one's process is the same as yours, you're going to have a great time getting deals done, which help your process because no one else is valuing players or assets that way. That's great. And, And do that. And if you know you have a process that works and you can make your team built around that and there's the league mates are going to let you do that. Cool. I mean, you should absolutely just floor this. Take it to the highest degree as often and as many times as possible. Now, as you continue to go into different markets, it's maybe it's not as easy to have your process done. So now, how do I adjust? What are the edges of the league? Why is my process the way that it is? Why is everyone else chasing the same process? And then I think to the point you're making here, Mike, this is where, for me anyway, what I like to do is now, all right, let's get into the weeds. What is their process? Maybe you'll find out they don't have one. I mean, that's honestly some of the times you think in a league where your process is not working, it's because everyone else has a process and you start digging into each manager and the trades they make, the the transactions they make, how they budget their money. Are they blowing the money earlier? Are they keeping it later? All these type of things. That to me gives me an idea of what are they looking to do? Now, I think when I say that, I want, want everyone to listen to that again. What are they looking to do? When you phrase it that way, that's your assessment through your brain and lenses of your eyes of what they're doing. Think about that. Yeah. That's good. That, that, that's a great place to start. Now, this is the Campus Canton Show Dynasty, but we talk about, you know, 4D type moves. The next dimension is, okay, this is what I see. Where could my blinders be on? Because I see things through a lens of my process again. Yes. Where now, if I really dig into this, is there something I might be missing? Because I'm looking at it through my lens. So you talk to the manager. You you look at not only the deals and the way you approach it, what are they looking for? Every time, I think one of the things that bothers me about this idea of you leave a trade discussion and you don't get one done and people are upset. Why? Well, for me, Mike, I want to look at this and say, all right, what information did I gain to get to a trade later? Or what information did I gain that says you are going to continue to waste your time here and you need to be very careful how much time you spend making offers and deals with this manager because none get done. But gain something in process to get to a better deal later or to better value your time. Overall, you, you start to learn those things about the managers that you're playing in and the people in your leagues. That's how my process evolves. And I think is one of the things that really is tied into the process involvement of you and all your different leagues. Right. That, that, that more personable psychology, trying to figure out or read other people and understand. And it doesn't even have to be on like a super, a super knowledgeable level, Adam. No, uh, we just not talked at all. about, we, we 
the trade show that we did this week. We had a trade. And, uh, you know, for some people, I, I put it on Twitter, and some people talked about, uh, you know, that was a steal for you. But I also wanted just to dive into the fact that there was some psychology behind the reason that trade even got sent out in the first place. Like, there was some on my side trying to figure out what another manager wanted to do. So what we talked about on that that example, and I think the trade was I received Brandon Ayuk and I sent away Evan Ingram and DJ Chark. And yep. it's a lineup, like start 11 league. The first part, it's a .75 tight end premium. Pretty hefty. Like pretty hefty tight end premium. So some people really value tight ends. Now, the second part, I go to that manager's roster and I look and I go, he doesn't really have a tight end. <laughs> He doesn't have a tight end at all. Like he's got some very terrible options. Maybe he's in the market for a tight end. The third part, I go and I look at his quarterbacks, and lo and behold, who does he have? Trevor Lawrence. I'm going, well, maybe if I factor all these things in, maybe if I factor all these things in and I put together a package, what kind of asset could I get back from him if I put myself in his shoes? What could I talk myself into if I was him? Would I be able to talk myself into the point seven tight end premium? Yep. Would I be able to, to talk myself into the fact that I don't have a tight end right now that's really worth anything? Yep. And could I talk myself into the fact that I have Trevor Lawrence and maybe stacking on a weekly basis is going to be very appealing to me? 100%. And then I also look at it from the lens of what would I be comfortable giving up in that scenario? I'm not going to go ask for Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to go ask for a Jamar Chase. I'm looking to see if possibly there's a scenario where if this guy's got three really good wide receivers, I ask for his wide receiver three, which in this case would be Brandon Ayuk. Helps my team out. I have an abundance of tight ends. That's the kind of steps or the process I'm going through when sending a deal. I'm trying. Listen, I want to get the best deal for me. I always want to win my deals. Who doesn't? I don't, nobody out there sends deals or makes trades going like, yeah, I'm glad I lost that one. <laughs> nobody, nobody, you want to win it. Now we don't always win them, which is a fact. You win 60, 65%, you're doing really well. You're doing really well. You're making positive steps. It's like betting. If you're 65% right on your betting picks, you're doing all right. <laughs> you're doing okay. You're For making sure. profit and you're moving forward. I don't want to... I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't have to win every single trade by such a landslide because there's some of those too. Like the minute that trade goes through, your other league mates, you know, are going to chime in. They're probably going to make fun of this. Then all of a sudden you get the psychology part that maybe they're hesitant to deal with you in the future. You know, Mike this got is... me so bad the last time. Everybody made fun of me. It was horrible for me. So I, I generally want to send offers or I want to send deals that seem reasonable. And it's crazy the amount of offers sometimes that I send out where I go, I, I, I know for a fact in my process. Like I'm overconfident in my process. I'm going to send this deal out. And how many of those get snap accept, accepted without any back and forth, without any, any you know, messaging, any, any chat, we're talking up, any counter offers. It's just boom, done. They like the deal so much they took it. They felt it was beneficial. And Adam, I, I would say that whole psychology and, and kind of knowing your league and having this process, at least with dealing with your other managers, especially in trades, 
is send them offers that are reasonable to them. Like put yourself in their shoes because we all know those offers some people send out where it's, I want your Patrick Mahomes and I'm going to send you Kenny Pickett in a first in 2026. You know it's junk. (laughs) You know it's a horrible offer when you send it. You know exactly what you're trying to do. Why do it? Why do it? All of a sudden, the psychology then flips, right? Kind of like, you know, if they got made fun of in the chat before. You start sending junk offers to everybody. They know that you're sending junk offers, and they're like, anything that comes in, the first thing they're going to go is, oh, it's an offer from, you know, Xbox 64952 whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever their username is. And they go, this this person always sends me trash. Forget it. I'm not even really going to take the time of day. And it may be a fair offer, but you've already kind of burnt that bridge before you crossed it. So psychology process, I'm with you, Adam. As we kind of evolve, and if you get into these leagues where people are a lot more knowledgeable, they have their own processes. Uh, Maybe you're in leagues that are, you know, within communities. Maybe you're in uh, some C2C leagues within the C2C community where everybody kind of thinks alike. Or maybe you're part of one of our patron leagues where everybody listens and kind of knows and knows exactly what everybody else wants to do. The psychology process is one that's kind of underrated. And I think think you're right and you're onto something where that's kind of going to be the next evolution is exploiting that. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming the the thing in the room which isn't definable. And the detective is the person, the, the human, right, is the person that's yeah. going to have to seek out what that is. So he, he, here's a question based on that. Um, you kind of already touched on it, but I think when people hear stuff like that, you, you worded it a little deeper, but... People have hesitancy to listen and hear what you say. And I think there's a hesitance on, so I'm going to ask you this question. Like people don't believe in capacities really that you care at all about what the other player is getting in a trade. Cause at the end of the day, you're making a trade cause you're wanting to get to a certain point right. or a certain value. So my question to you is all that being said, cause you, you alluded to points already past the question that I'm asking, but in a more basic form, Given everything you did say and didn't maybe touch on, and you can answer here, do you care realistically about what the other person's receiving outside of perception? Nothing outside of perception. That okay. is, that is that is it. The perception and that, that that caveat the is the biggest part, correct for yes. you and yeah, for the, I think the, yep. the dynamic perception. Perception. So, How they're going to perceive me when I send them this offer. How are they going to perceive this offer? Listen, I'm not worried about the last thing I want to do, Adam, even if you and I deal, like we make a lot of deals, but neither one of us, I don't think is sending the other one. A deal We're, going. Our perception is pretty clear. We have a very vivid eyesight. 2020 is well <laughs> outside the realm of where we're at. We know exactly what's trying to be had when Mike and I deal. Yes. And I'm not sending you a deal because I'm trying to help your team, Adam. Like, correct, <laughs> correct. And, and the other thing, too, like when you do that, the, the people who reach out to you and then tell you how to run your team and how much they're helping you in this deal, like you know it's coming from a place that doesn't mean anything. Like It's almost a, a slap in the face. Like I know you don't mean that. You don't really care what my team does. You do want to make your team better. 
but the perception, yes, that that is a caveat. I, I don't really care if I'm helping you out <laughs> when I sent you a deal. I want you to perceive that I'm but helping that's the, you out, though. But I think that part there and the way you word that and why I said it that way is understanding that when you answer it without the perception, the transparency there is, yeah, of course, I care about what my team looks like. I'm doing this to evolve my team one trade at a time, one move at a time, one transaction at a time. Here's the thing that I think we have to remember, though, because what you said is really good, right? There's a lot of different processes and approaches to this. I play in leagues, multiple leagues with people that are, they do not have the same principles and mindset that you share there. And I tend to agree with for the most part, right? Which is in a long scale if we're playing a dynasty league, okay, in theory, what that means is the 12 people, 14, 10, 16, whatever many people are in your league, they do a startup. The, this is actually becoming probably a, more of a discussion that we'll have a different podcast, but the OG version and what that really means is technically like we plan to play this league for forever. We're always just going to do a rookie draft in every season moving forward for this. The idea of what dynasty is is we're doing a startup draft, which does not have a defined timeline because we're going to play this league out into affinity. And every right. year there's a rookie draft and the dynamics in between will be what governs how teams run themselves and get to where they want to go. But everyone agrees in principle, they only pay for a year to whatever the bylaws say. But there's an understanding of this is a long-term league and everyone understands that and plays and should be planning for that. Now, again, another podcast for another day. What does that really look like for people to get into dynasty leagues now? That's a different discussion. Point is, though, in this in this realm, when you think about it, there's people that think against what you're saying, Mike, and that's it. I'm going to send out so many shitty deals. It's literally throwing shit against the wall. And what sticks? Right. I throw out 100, 200 deals. They're not good for anyone but me. But if I get one to be accepted... It's such a smash that I don't care what I lost in perception, what all these deals were declined, right. any of that. Because there's a value gain that in Dynasty, if you're getting the correct asset, like if you grant, if you land a Justin Herbert player and you're sending away no quarterbacks and guys that have bad profiles, when you talk about the betting percentages, right, the 65-35, you don't even have to have Herbert become Herbert, let's say to make that a 80, 90% to 10. Like it's just, that's the way they approach trades. And there are people that play that way. And I, I play with people. I'm not going to ever name names on that, but that is their approach to trades. And I no longer even get offers from them because they know that I'm not going to take them, but they right. send offers like that out and they may go six weeks, eight weeks without a trade. But then you see that one go through and you see that name and you go, Oh boy, what are we looking at here? And he goes through and all they need is three trades a year in a league two trades a year in a league like that that happen at the right time and holy crap man like that is a value gain so that goes to the process point and that goes to a lot of different things if you play in a league long term long enough and that's your process eventually all the managers in this league will catch on but is this a high orphan league is there someone else going to come in and doesn't understand that there's dynamics to this there's le there's levels to this as Mike from Philly you know McMill will say but 
overall, if you play in a big portfolio, if this is a process you want to evolve in and you want to make a high level of trades, I think a lot of people in Dynasty want to trade. They want to have a good team. They want the team build and they want to try to win all in a consolidation of those things. If your goal is to build rapport with managers in your league that you plan to play with and to infinity and beyond, I'm not going to sit here and like, to Mike's point, I, I don't actually care about your team. Truthfully, I care about mine. But what I do care about is on a lot, a larger scale, right? So if I, if I don't play that approach where I'm just going to send out such bad offers and such large wins for me that I only need two to hit and win. If that's not my process, part of what I do care about for your team and right now when we press accept on the trade is a couple big points that Mike made that I want to really highlight. One, like I want you to feel like you did not get exposed in a deal when we press accept. Because if you play long enough, you'll understand that even when you think, oh my gosh, how did this trade happen? I am elated. You will fast forward a year and a half, two years from now. The process could be correct. It could still be like when you look back at the data, this was an enigma, but I got crushed on this trade. Part of the thing that's fun about trading is there's variance to even that. Mm -hmm. And that's where if you have people feeling good about trades when they make them with you and you understand what they're looking for and you can find what they're looking for and you find the literally the, the meeting of I want to get what I'm looking for. I have them feel like they're getting what they're looking for. That's how you build a trade bridge. So for example, do I care about what their team really is in the big picture? No, uh, clear transparency, but do I care about this deal feeling good to them and them not leaving the league chat? Like you got crushed. And then if the trade actually becomes bad, the trade bridge is not the same thing. When I go down the same path, I won't get the same results and I will have more hesitation. There's things like that that come into play in trading and, and um, overall process, I guess, that I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this. But I just I right. think that for people that are thinking about dynasty leagues that are in some and want to get into more, edges on the process, right? In the, in the beginning, where you're trying to go, what your goals are. If you just understand those type of things and you think about your league mates in the sense of what's best for you and them, because I think that's one of the things that gets missed. If it's just about you and not about them, you play in a league with everybody else. Definitely. Some good points for the audience to think on. Adam, I think uh, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to give a little teaser of next week's episode. And uh, whether we we get the uh, the time to get you back on or not. Uh, next week's episode, episode three, is going to be the art of the nuclear rebuild. So also just diving into this process, and I think we're just going to explore this in a uh, multi-part series, right? We'll go through the nuclear rebuild. Uh, maybe the episode after that, we go in for the, uh, the the contender push, right? And some of the things that go behind that process and uh -huh. pushing in, in different league styles. And I think it lines up good with where we're at in the NFL season because if you really think about it, week one, week two, when we're actually getting fantasy points scored, if you're holding some of those older assets and they're coming out and they're putting up 20 points per game early in the season, perfect time if you're looking to do a nuclear rebuild. If your team's in that, now you can actually sell because people see fantasy points going. And then we get in a couple weeks later and your team's looking good. 
perfect time to talk about moves you should be looking at to make as a contender push and how to kind of implement that. So I really like how this one, uh, this one shook out. It was good to have you, Travis. It's good to have you, Travis Kelsey. Right, We threw a couple touchdown passes. Just getting warmed up, you know, getting the, the, the rust out. Yeah, you <laughs> know, the week one. The experience, the you know, the, the hyperextension. Like we're we're getting out of that. You know, we're getting getting the juices flowing. But I, honestly, um I, I'm excited for even just the conversation we had here. I'm excited for where this is gonna go and getting into other layers, dynamics, kind of spelling them out one by one. And t- to me the reason that's fun is there's there's so many different discussions through it that I think from experience, a lot of times, and I'll be honest, is bad. Like learning from failing, again, as I talked about earlier, it gives you a, a bigger lens to talk about things that are actionable for other people and leagues. And I want you to learn from my mistakes, all right? I'll be honest. When it comes to trades and with you're trading with me, I want you to lose in the big picture. But when you listen to my content, I'm okay losing and you being the person that gains from that. 100%. And the last thing I'll get before we bounce out of here Adam, you can find him at ATM4D Chess. You can find me at Iowa Michael. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. You know, we're always we're always down for some feedback or a little bit of discussion. And of course, if you're already in the C2C Discord, go ahead. Feel free to tag us. I'm browsing the channels. I'm looking. You got a question? You got something that you need some clarification on on the episode, or you just want to, you know, shoot the shit a little bit? I'm around. <laughs> I'm around. More than willing to uh, to have a little discussion back and forth. But appreciate everybody tapping in for episode two. We will see you back here same time, same place next week for episode three of Canton Bound. Adam, tell the people goodbye. Love y'all. Appreciate it. Canton Bound. Um, and we're not talking about the expo. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs> Adi, peace.